knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Here we go, boys. Go. Ooh, I love that sound. This is a good one. Got done hunting with uh, old Nick Jay this past week, didn't you? This is pigeon smashing. Yes. How'd that yes, go? Yes, it was a, it was, uh, it was a good time. He called me, very excited, and it was sort of a rare opportunity for me because you know I'm just my job and everything. I'm just not home very often, and the stars basically align. He's like, "Do you want to hunt tomorrow?" And uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I do. The only, the only part I had to think about is, you know, I had to wake up at two thirty in the morning. You know what I mean? For to get to hunt? the, yeah, right, right. To get to the spot, and uh, how far did you travel for this pigeon hunt? Well, from from Randall, Minnesota, to New Richmond, Wisconsin. Yeah, that's a that's a yeah that's a. Bit you know, he wanted drive. me to he wanted me to meet meet at quarter after five. You know, and I'm going to be early because I've got some good ethics and morals. You know, my buddy is inviting me to the hunt, so I'm not going to be there on time or late. I'm going to be there early, you know. You can, you so, can just claim time blindness. I guess that's a thing now, but I don't no, want to no, no. derail us. <laughs> we don't make excuses. We make results stale. There you go. There you go. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a good time, and it was... Uh, it was sort of close quarters, so Nick was hesitant to have clients, or at least first-time clients, because, like I said, it was uh, tight quarters, um, so we need to shoot responsibly. And, uh, you know, some people may not have been super comfortable or have as much fun hunting in such close quarters. Like, when you have a first-time client, you want to make, like, a good first impression. Bring them out to a night. Nice grain field shoot, you know, where there's no buildings or livestock around. And in this case, there was building and livestock. I mean, we were, we were just completely surrounded, you know, so we just. So it was just the two of us and it was super duper relaxed and really, really good shooting. Um, so, yeah, the, this hunt had a ton of value. I'm glad I went. It was totally worth the five hour drive round trip. 
I think he posted a picture on his Snapchat of like this a bag of spent shells, I think, of the day or something like that. And I was like, "Damn, <laughs> I shot a lot." I think yep. it was that hunt, anyways. It, it might have been, and and I'm not I'm not the social media type. I've got Facebook, and that's it. Like I'm I'm sort of anti-social. Media. You're a renaissance so, like, man. Yeah, when Facebook dies, I'm gonna die with it. You know, like <laughs> I don't need. I've had Snapchat. Um, I think I even I even actually I had Instagram for my Las Vegas wheelie school days, which is something that you probably don't even know about me. But we'll get into that later. Um, that was for advertising. But anyways, yeah, Snapchat and Instagram. Just I don't know. I. The, the Snapchat thing, I've had that twice and I deleted it both times just because it just was not interesting. I actually uh, like it. Uh, well, so many people do. I know that I'm in the minority. Oh, I know like I'm, not I'm trying in the minority. To, I'm not trying to defend it or, or, or uh, like convince anybody that it's cool. I, I'm, the reason I like it is probably the, the laziest reason. I can set it and forget it. I can make a post. I make a little video. In real time, like I don't have to go to my camera, record a video, edit it, go in, post it, give a caption. No, I literally just take you my just, phone. Go. You just send the raw. You just post yeah. I the just raw. like do oh, Here's me in a in a big bass. Like oh, that was awesome. And then it's, then it's done. I don't have to write anything. I mean, you can you can add all that stuff if you want. Like you can, you know, Nick is like Nick will post like articles. He'll you know put links and. I, do any of that shit. I literally just like the stuff I'm doing. I just quickly either it's a picture or it's a little video, and then whoop, it's gone, and it's and on my story. That's kind of the beauty of Instagram too, isn't it? Kind just of, take a usually, picture. Of yeah, you do, but then you usually do give a little descriptor, and then you hashtag it. I mean, obviously there's no rules. You don't have to hashtag it. You can just throw it out there, wild and careless like. But as somebody who has a uh, brand per se you know I do have to have a social media presence and I try to hit most of the the channels so yeah I've got Facebook, I've got Instagram I have Snapchat, I have a TikTok you know I have um, Twitter and I never use it Twitter is just a dumpster fire like it's never, it's interesting to me but that's what Facebook is how is Twitter more of a dumpster fire than Facebook? It just is. I mean, I'm just, okay, it okay. just is. And maybe because I've curated it that way because um, quite literally my Facebook feed is nothing but fishing and hunting and family for the most part. And, like, okay. I used to be the guy that engaged in, like, every political debate. And I would get so Ooh, just beside myself, and it would right. just ruin my mood. Now I'm not, you know, like I'm not changing anybody's mind on Facebook. And I just kind of came to this conclusion. I'm like, I'm gonna back off now. Every now and again, I have a moment of weakness. I'll be the first one to admit it, but it's really rare. And but once I stopped doing that, once I stopped engaging in these things, your feed totally changes. So when people like to speak of social media and all its ills, and it does have plenty of ills, but when people are a little more conspiratory and they're like, oh, they're trying to pit us against each other, and blah, no, it's really just an algorithm that feeds you what you interact with. 
And as yes. soon as I stopped doing that, all my shit became fishing and hunting. But if those are, you know, instead of engaging in things that piss you off and start and like take the time to actually like a post or to comment on a post of things that you like to see, that is what the algorithm will feed you. But unfortunately, the human psyche, for whatever reason, you can scroll through 20 things that you joy that make you smile you watched a video you see a big picture you know a big pile picture of a bunch of dead geese or whatever and you're like these are so cool but you don't have this overwhelming urge to hit the like button now if somebody posted a, a picture of a bunch of geese in a ditch unclean or a video of somebody keeping a fish that you knew was out of season you don't want to kill that one or whatever gotcha. yeah what is this this guy's breaking the law i got there this guy's being unethical or whatever straight to the comments angry face emoji and you're off to the races yep and so what is that algorithm supposed to think this is it's an ai but the intelligence part is kind of a misnomer computers can only do what we tell them to do correct and this particular ai is going to feed you social media content that you engage in so if all you engage in is negative driven by negative emotions that is what you're going to see correct end of story no conspiracy now with that said i do believe that every platform has its own personality per se i don't think it was necessarily built into it but it has become a certain thing so like Facebook is kind of now like the old person's social media where people connect with their family and do whatever. And sure, there are, there are some shit posting that goes on there. But for the most part, I feel like it's relatively benign and kind of boring, honestly. Instagram has become the thing, the place where you basically just kind of post pictures. They have the reels and all the videos, things. Like, they're, they're all trying to be TikTok because TikTok has gotten so big. big. But so that's kind of become the the picture thing. You don't really go there for stories. You don't go there for somebody's opinion. You just want to go there and, and see cool shit. Um, Snapchat, I think for a lot of people, is still basically a uh, hookup app. You know, it's like go on there to some chick and show her your boobs or something. But that is for sure not how I use it. Again, I'm, I really wish that I would have known that you could take a screenshot. But they let the other people know, though. I would, yeah, but you know, this, in case you're trying to screenshot some ago, boobies, that's all my, I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They'll know that you screenshotted their boobies. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this, this, there's a hack though. Yeah. There's a hack for that, Phil. You, but you have to know, or at least think, there's a good chance you're going to see some boobies, and then you screen record before you go into your. Before you oh, open the app. Oh, yeah. I see. I then see. Then you can go back, edit that screen record, take a still. Now that you got their boobies, they don't know you got your bo their boobies. So, kids, gotcha. be careful out there. No shit. All right. Be careful. Like, you think it disappears. There's ways around it. There could be a there could be another phone filming that phone. You don't know. People do all sorts of crazy, stupid shit. So just anyway. I just listened to I just listened to a documentary about basically kids, you know, growing up in today's generation and social media, you know, and the effect that social media is having on kids. And like, you know, we don't we don't 
you know, in our generation, Bill, we would walk up to a girl. We had to have the guts to walk up to a girl (laughs) and just say, hey, can, you know, can we eat lunch together? Can we sit together at lunch? Like I'm talking about like in school, because that's what I'm talking about right now as school age children. You know, we had to have the guts to just face to face interaction nowadays. You know, it's all through texting. You know, these kids get cell phones and they're texting each other and like, and then they don't actually hang out or do anything face to face before they're now sending each other nudes and stuff. And it's like, holy fucking shit, man. Yeah, it no, is. It is different. This is not okay. So, anyways. It's definitely different. It is definitely different. But I was like, you must have been a cool kid growing up because I was not that kid. I did. I was not the brave kid to go and talk to a girl. It's probably why. Well, not probably why. That's exactly why I didn't have, like, a legit real girlfriend until, like, 11th grade. I had some, like, oh, we're girlfriend, okay. but it, we, no. Yeah, I didn't talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we like each other. We didn't other, hang but out. We we did, yeah, exactly. It's like you see him in school and you maybe you hold, hold hands in between classes or something and get a you know, kiss on the cheek or something, something outrageous like that. Uh, okay. There definitely wasn't any genitalia being shared. <laughs> yeah, but any, you know, any form of PDA in the school hallway, that's a big deal, man. Pretty you risky. Know, you're walking together, yeah. holding hands, yeah. like oh. you're touching, and like a kiss on the cheek in front of all these people, that's a big deal. That's uh-huh. that's nothing to be overlooked. You know, or if you were doing that, then that, that, takes, that takes guts. The Gen X version of being a Facebook official was like uh, that period of time where you would wear the same color bandana around your leg to let people know man in, in watertown minnesota <laughs> i i'm a i was born in 79 i graduated watertown in 98 um but anyways i don't know why i'm going that direction it was in watertown minnesota so like in sixth grade sixth grade sort of seemed to be the age where boys and girls can openly like be attracted to each other and oh you're cute kind of thing and uh, we had necklaces. It was like matching Ooh. necklaces. So like, if I was dating this girl, her name was Tia, and, and we were dating, like she would have a necklace and it had half of a heart. And then I'd have a necklace with the other half That's of a heart. That's adorable. <laughs> yep, it was just, and then if you broke up with the person, you had to give your necklace back to it was usually the girl oh that had man that seems traumatic it was yep it was very dramatic you oh, know like we date for three days and I, I get to wear that necklace for three days and then and then when we break up i have to give that necklace back to her because now she's got to give that to her oh that sounds terrible i don't i don't like that that would crush me as a as a youth. I don't. I didn't oh, have the it, balls it for that. <laughs> I'm, I'm much. I would much rather have like the handkerchief thing, which of course I didn't do that either because you would actually have to be dating somebody. But like, if you broke up or had a fight, they could just take it off and throw it on the ground. Like, fuck that guy. You know that that I can <laughs> oh, deal. With, I can deal with too. that and instead of having like the in your face heartbreak of. I need my necklace back, or here's your necklace back. Like, oh, uh, it was soul crushing, bro. It was too. Oh, you guys are brutal up there. <laughs> <laughs> well, where I was going with that to get us somewhat back on track is the reason I don't do Twitter, and I and I still have the app, and I open it from time to time. 
and so without me dictating what it does, right, because I'm not on there really to engage in the algorithm to tell me what it wants, I open it and it's a dumpster fire. Like it's all people, super hyper political, all yelling at somebody, all hashtagging some political movement or oh, some saying, you know, uh, FJB or uh, Hillary's a crook or whatever. Can you mold your can you mold your algorithms like Facebook or not? Completely. If I wanted to go in there and cultivate it and like take the time to turn it all hunting, fishing, and stand-up comedy, which is predominantly all my other social medias. Like, that's what my TikTok is. My TikToks are hunting, fishing, uh, stand-up comedy, and comic book stuff. Like, okay. that's that's my tire for you page. It's great. I love it. Like, it's it probably why I use, well, I use TikTok a lot because of its algorithm and how it grabs you. But Okay, so with that being said, you use your Twitter feed. That's where you go to take a shit. I just, I generally, Twitter gets used when I am so bored, I have run through every other app, every other game on my phone, and I'm still just in full fuck-off mode, and, okay. and and I'm full-on in the phone addiction, and I'm like, oh, I ran through every app, what am I going to do? I don't want to quit. Go to Twitter like, and oh, take a Twitter. shit. Yeah, and I go on Twitter, and I'm just like, and then I'm. I'm, and that usually ends it because I'm like, yeah, this I forget what a shit show this place is. I'm just like, fuck yes, this place. Yes, because and I close because out that and I'm one, done. <laughs> that one you go and you have molded your algorithms on that social media outlet. You've molded that algorithm to just kind of bullshit political arguments. So you go there to take a shit, and that's what you see—a bunch of political shit. Yeah, and I'm not getting, I'm not getting, I'm not getting good feedback, right? I'm not like. I'm I'm into my phone addiction because I'm getting positive feedback and endorphin release of all these things that I like and I like to engage in. It's you know whether it's comedy yeah. or hunting and fishing, whatever. I'm getting good eye pleasure from fishing and hunting picks and whatever else. Yeah, and right, right. Suddenly I open Twitter as I never do, and it's just a dumpster fire of political nonsense. And now I'm getting fed this negative stimulus, and I'm just like, let's. Well, in a way, it's nice though, because it's like it'll snap me out of that like phone addiction, basically. So I'm like, ah, I don't want to fucking do this, and so then I close out of it and I'm done. The bad part, then I'm usually a little bit crabby <laughs> for a little. Yeah, bit. right, right. That's a bad way to end it. Right? <laughs> At least it ends it, but it's a bad way to end it. You know. Yep. I should have just got off the damn phone probably a good hour ago when I was in a good mood and went on with my life, but sometimes. These, these fucking little devices, man, I tell you. Back in the day, this would be a good way to introduce you to the podcast. Back in the day, we had to go on forums on our uh, desktop computers to talk to strangers about hunting and fishing. And Minnesota Waterfowler, was, that was like my jam. And I know there was a bunch of other ones like The Refuge and Spring Snows and all these other things, but um, yeah, Minnesota Waterfaller was my jam, and that's where I first learned of your existence. Don't think I ever actually interacted with you on there. May have. I'm sure we were part of the same thread. You, you were Bam and Jam. Bam and Jam. Yeah, that was me. Okay. Yeah, yep, I, I definitely, I definitely remember your 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 handle or whatever. I definitely yeah. Recognize that. That was what, yeah, you had to bring a handle. That was the other thing. You didn't use your real name. Everybody had a handle. I mean, you could. Oh, there, sure. was, there was nothing, there, there was no, like, it wasn't part of that program or that, that platform where you had to use a handle or nickname. That's just what everybody did. 
Correct. And nobody, I don't think anybody used their real name. No, no, you could you could get away with saying a lot more. Like you could do it guilt free. You could talk shit guilt free. <laughs> yes. You know, like yeah, you could, if yes. you had a strong opinion about something, you didn't have to sugarcoat it. You could just fucking say it the way it was. And it didn't matter because no one knew your actual, no one knew who you were, so it didn't matter. Yeah, there was a level of anonymity there for sure. And yeah, exactly what you think would happen with total anonymity did happen for sure. There was a lot of, there was, I wouldn't say a lot, there was a lot, there was a fair amount of shit posting that went on. Oh, yeah. You know, call, just blatantly call out some dude, (laughs) mock, mock a certain individual. Yeah, Uh, but in order to be a member of that forum, maybe any forum, is you sort of uh, get your membership or whatever, pick your name, and then you start posting. You have to kind of survive sort of a hazing period. Like, people are going to give you shit. Like, you are certainly going to say stupid things, (laughs) you know, and then people are going to put you in line, you know, and and a lot of people are like, oh, that's you can't handle the criticism, so they leave or whatever, and Mm -hmm. just weren't for those people. But for the people who could handle the hazing period then you just uh then yeah forums were were for you you know and those forums much like these apps kind of took on their uh, personality because there were definitely some forums that i thought were like i didn't really care to be in them because it was almost all that shit posting and just ripping people and trolling other people like it was a lot of that and Mm -hmm. some of that is amusing but I get over it real quick. You know? Yeah, so for me, um, MinnesotaWaterfowler.com and then uh, Nodak Outdoors was another big one that I was on a lot. Yep, and Nodak then, was a good one. I, I, I think I was in that a little bit. But I usually got my fix right from Waterfowler. But, and because because I'm equal parts, um, I'm equal parts outdoor enthusiast and hunter, uh, that and motorcycle rider and hunter the the hunting portion of my life only took up about half of my life so during the summertime months i was on uh one of the forums was mnsbr or which stood for motorcycle no minnesota sport bike riders Mm. or stunt life stunt life was another one stuntlife.com because in my motorcycle half of my life i i loved riding motorcycles but i also loved riding them extremely if you will so stuff like yeah, that was never. I, man, I never really got into that stuff. I, I didn't have. I was not a natural born. Um, what would be a good way to put it? Um, machine rider, or I, I don't know what else. To, I don't know how else to call it. So like, like my my okay. really good buddy Jim. He like that was that was kind of his jam too. He never would like went, you know, full retard on it. But he did like four wheelers, three wheelers. Motorcycles, dirt bikes, motorsports. All yeah, the motorsports. all the motorsports yeah, yeah. stuff. Like he would just get on something. He could fix them. He was a, it was, a, he was a wrench guy. He could fix I anything. Not. I swear to God. And so, like, his kind of jam was like he'd find this like super good deal on something that needed like a spark plug, and then <laughs> yeah, right, right. Next thing you know, it's up and running, and he bought it for fifty bucks or something, you know, and and he'd tear around on it. And I just, I just didn't have the coordination for that shit. I just, I was terrible at it. Uh, never a great snowmobile pilot. Um, I mean, I, you know, I could do it now, but I'm, I'm still, I'm not going to be the guy to do jumps, and that's just not. 
Man, I have a lot of hidden talents and a lot of different aspects and interests of life and the motorsports, that thing. That's the gene. That's the gene I don't have. Sure. <laughs> that one's just not it. I find it fun. I just I can't pull it off. I just it's not. And one of my favorite phrases in life is we enjoy what we are good at and we are good at what we enjoy. Mm, that's a really good saying. I like that. It's very similar to my, like, when people always have, like, I'll hit them with some random factoid, you know, or a subject matter, like, oh, you know about that, too, or whatever. It's like, yeah, I know a lot of shit, but it's like, I know a little about a lot, and I know a lot about a little. So, I, you know, I have a handful of things that I'm, like, a specialist in that, and I can tell you all the angles, the history, the this, the that, deep, nuanced conversations. And then I know barely anything about a lot of shit. So just enough to stay marginally in almost any conversation I might come across. So you you said something in one of our recent conversations that I have spent a lot of time thinking about. You said, hold on, bear with me here. Um, I'm a jack of all trades and master of none. Yes. Right? Yeah, that's a pretty common saying. Yep. And I am not like that. I am a master of like three things. Well, it's somewhat disingenuous because I would like to think I have gained some mastery over some of these things. But that that's not, so that's not a saying of mine. That's a, that's a co- pretty common saying, and I've heard it from multiple people. But okay, cause it paints a picture I'm, of like, I can do a lot of stuff. Like, yeah, sure. can I build a shed if I have to? Sure can. Is it going to? look really awesome probably not but it's gonna get the job done you know like sure sure i have a level of carpentry i can get it done and thanks to youtube i can learn a new trade in 30 minutes that's gonna take oh me fuck yeah YouTube 20 times awesome. yeah it's gonna take me 20 times longer than an expert it's not the quality's not gonna be there but it'll get done and it'll do the thing it's supposed to do you know so that that's yeah, there's there are some things, and I know you're not a fishing person, but like for me, I have, you know, and even that, I guess the argument you made, I don't really have mastery over that because, am I making millions of dollars on the professional bass tour? No, I'm not. I win a club tournament once in a while, you know, so I'm I like, I have a le- I have I have achieved a certain level of mastery, so I'm a, a little, you know, I perform a little higher than your average Joe. Um, but I'm definitely not like a Jedi master. In the, the bottom in the line there is, Dale, you enjoy it, so like you're 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 good at it. You know, you are downplaying yourself right now and saying I'm not a professional bass fisherman. No, you're not. But you're good at it because if you weren't good at it, you wouldn't fucking enjoy doing it, man. Right? No, that's there's some. So you found the good balance. You know, there is some truth to be uh, said for that for sure. And I and I am competitive, so I do I continue to strive to be better. I guess when I say that, like, is more of like, um, and this is what I do a lot. My, my perspective is huge with with me and for me. So like, I take perspective in a lot of different avenues of life. Um, so if I ever call anybody out on their bullshit or per- my perceived their bullshit. And, and it has been construed this way before. And people think, well, who are you? Do you think you're better? And like, no, I don't think I'm better. It's just like, I don't think you've looked at it like this from this perspective, you know? And because I do that and let people know that 
I do that to myself. So in my own time of, you know, introspection or whatever, it's like I apply those same tools to myself. Like, am I being a dick? Am I, like, if I got bothered in a certain interaction, after that interaction is over, I'll usually take some time and I'll play that scene in my head. And it's like, was I out of line? Like, did I, you know? And so I I do a lot of cross-examination of myself. So if I think that somebody quite lazily is just spewing off some doctrine of some sort and and being a dick and usually it's going to involve some other person if it's just me i'm just like eh, you're a dick i shrug it off and go on about my life but if it's an interaction where there's somebody else and i see somebody else being treated a certain way that's where i kind of get a little more defensive and if i do any sort of shit posting on social media it's going to usually be in the defense of somebody else it could be a class of people or or an individual person but, it, you know, you can be as big of a dick to me as you want. And I, I have pretty thick skin when it comes to that. Like, going back to the high school and the school, like, I got teased and bullied fairly relentlessly through middle school. Um, it's just, you know, and it is what it is. And I do want to say, it's the old man part of me. Like, there is a difference between teasing and bullying, by the way. For today's, oh, for sure. For today's society that thinks everything is bullying. If I called you four eyes, that is not bullying you. That is teasing you. And, yeah, I did have four eyes. I had Coke bottle thick glasses, hand-me-down clothes. It was not part of the cool crowd for those obvious reasons. So, yeah, I took a lot of shit from a lot of people. Okay. The difference is I had self-awareness of why I was being picked on. So, I like, I got it. It's like, yeah, I would probably pick on me, too, if I wasn't me. You know what I mean? And so my defense mechanism that I evolved back in high school was humor. So what I learned really quickly is that if somebody's ripping on you, just rip on, you rip just, on yourself. Just too. join them. Join in yeah, on it. Right, right, right. And it's, it, takes their, it takes their power away when you do that. 100% takes the power away from them. They have got yep. nothing at that point. Now, right. legit bullying, that's a little more difficult. you got to take the karate kick kid approach for that those fuckers won't stop until you're a puddle of goo in the yeah, corner unless you kick their ass you know yeah, i mean yeah. literally and that was not me i've only been in one like i can't even call it a stand-up fist fight because we weren't standing up we were doing the kid thing rolling around the ground and but I did, oh yeah yeah i did get one punch in it landed all of your energy hugging each other on the ground and yeah yeah just rolling around and he got the better of me he was on top and i looked up and he was doing like the Dude, this whole story is, like, straight out of an after-school special. Like, again, in my mind. And I guess I've always had that ability to kind of, like, step outside of myself and see. It's almost like I'm watching my life play out like a TV show, kind of. I don't know. Do you ever do that? you ever find yourself, like, in a moment, but, like, seeing that moment from an outside perspective? Yes. It's weird, but I've done that, like, my whole life. So... This whole thing played out, and I'll give you the I'll give you the the quick abbreviated version of the story. This, I, I think it's interesting and funny how it is like so much like it came out of a sitcom or something. But like I'm walking to the gas station. This is what like every is either every I think it was every month this comic title came out. I was a comic book dork, and it was X Force. I could be wrong about this, but it's, I think it's either uh, issue six or seven. I'd have to go back into my collection and look so I can still see the wrinkles. 
And I'm walking back, and I'm all excited because I'm going to read the latest issue. You've been looking forward to this issue oh, for can't how wait. long, yeah. and it's in your fucking hand. I have hand. it. I mowed lawns. I did whatever. I threw down the 25 cents or whatever, 50 cents this comic book cost. And, of course, you know, I got a probably uh, a 20-ouncer of whatever Coke. pop. Yeah, Pepsi yep. or Coke or Dr. Whatever I was feeling that particular day. Bottle of suds. Yeah, I got something, so a snack. And I, you know, I splurge because we were broke as fuck. So the fact that I was buying treats at the gas Anything. station, this is a, this yeah. is a good day. This is a good day. And I'm walking back, and here comes Lance. That's just that's just like the perfect name. And he was like the neighborhood or the development bu- bu- uh, bully. I'll say because we lived in like a housing, like a townhome association. Okay. And uh, here he comes. I'm like, ah, oh, for fuck's sake. And it starts out right out of the gate. He's like, what's in the bag? And this is where I immediately jump out of myself. I'm like, oh, is this happening? Are we really going to do this? Like, it's so stereotypical bully victim, like, scenario setting up. It's like on Step Brothers where they're like, no, don't go this way because the bullies are there. And then they do go that way anyway because they're behind schedule. And the the kid makes some touches, tongue to white dog <laughs> shit. Yes, so it was pretty much Fuck. that. Yeah. Here we go. I was like, Fuck. and he's like, oh, what's in the bag? It's like, at that moment, I knew where this was going. And sure as shit. He's, I'm like, uh, you know, whatever. I'm sure I didn't say fuck off Lance, but, and, you know, that was my intent. Sure. And he's like, oh, and he snatches the bag from me. Breach in there, sees it's a comic book. Of course, now I'm going to get shit because it's a comic book. Because comic books were not cool back then. For all the kids today, that it's like it's the cool thing to wear a comic book T-shirt. It's cool to talk comics and go to a comic book movie. This was not the case 40 years not ago, no, right? No. It was not cool to like comics. I was very much an outcast for that, and uh, still did it because I liked it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he takes it, and I'm like, come on, just give me. I'm doing the whole deal. Like again, in my I like I'm hearing this, seeing this play out. Like I can't. It's not happening this way. It's like, are there cameras rolling right now? This is insanity. And he starts to roll it up. And that's where the blood starts to boil. And now I'm like legitimately like getting pissed off. Okay, hold on now. What is he rolling up? The comic book. The oh, so he is taking the bag. He, op- he opened the bag. He took the bag. Reached in there, pulled it out. Yep. And now he's got it in your hand. He rolled and, it up like a tube. his hand. Yep. Oh, fuck. And okay, now continue. I'm like, I'm probably shaking at this point. I don't recall because I'm starting to kind of like, is this? I'm entering a rage zone that I don't really have in me. Generally. You're starting to see red. Yes, I get it. There happened to be like a manhole cover, storm cover right there that had like the hole in the middle, right? And he, and this is literally one of the only blackout moments of my life. He moved towards it and like he was going to put it make it fit in that hole and phil i literally do not have any memory between when he kneeled down and started going towards that manhole and to when i came out of my fog he was on top of me with his stupid ass little grin laughing and i just cocked back and hit him right in the eye and then at that same time a neighborhood parent ripped him off me and separated us i was probably getting ready to take the beating of my life i don't know but, uh, yeah, I don't – that time lost. I don't know how long we were rolling around the ground or what happened. Maybe he jumped on me immediately, and that was – I have no idea. 
literal blackout moment, okay. like yep. full rage. And then, uh, but so he was always still a dick to me after that, but he was a dick at a distance. So when it comes to bullies, unfortunately, it's like that physicality is like the only thing that really gets through to him. So God, God forbid or help you if that bully knows how to fight or is a hundred pounds bigger than you, cause you're probably not going to get a one over on him, but yeah, anyways. but they're not going to see you anymore as a, as an easy target. You're not defensive. Yeah, you like, still, it's yeah. going to require some investment on their part to interact with you in that way. And now they're like, fuck, I'm, I'm going to go pick on someone that's easier. Yeah, they do. They you do know, want like, the easy target because, right. you know, you might get a lucky shot, and they're not there for the risk. They're there for the easy, Correct. for the easy Correct. victim. No, that's that's possibly true. So, so much for trying to do the short version of that. But um, point being, it's like it was. You know, there is a difference, and our society today is, you know, at the risk of sounding like an old man, it's just way too soft. Everybody's offended by words, and it's like words can't hurt you literally unless you let them. Hey, I appreciate how you just use that word in context. Thank you, <laughs> Dale. Well, yeah, that's that's you know that 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 schism for uh, the, our older generation. We don't we use words in the way they're intended. <laughs> Another word is running. Running just bothers the fuck right out of me, and I know you're confused right now because let let me divulge. Uh, what kind of choke tube you running? What kind oh, of decoys you running? Okay. What kind of ammunition you running? What kind of call you running? Hmm. Like, no, I'm I'm using these things. You know, I'm I'm, I'm using these things. So, uh, you know, if we continue these podcasts, which hopefully it works out, you're not gonna ever hear me using these words. That <laughs> you probably hear me use that one. I, I mean, I don't know that I use that, but that seems yeah. pretty common. I'll like, try to be polite and not jump down your throat about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to kind of spend some time on that one. Like my my initial reaction is like, I feel like that's an accurate way of using that term, but maybe it's not. It's just it's it's it is accurate, but it's overused. Like Possibly. people just use it so much. Sure, you're running this or you're running that or what are you running? Like. Eh. I don't know. I, just, I don't know. So now I'm going to be kind of hyper aware of it. So I'm going to see if I'm going to catch myself using it. If I, I may not use it, or if I use it, I use it sparingly. But I don't know. Yeah. I might use it a lot. I don't know. It's not. That was one I that was not on my radar. But you bring sure. up a good. You bring up a good thing, and we'll get us back on track here, though. So to introduce you, which was we were trying to do, we never fully did. It's Phil Schmidt, and if you were part of a waterfaller. People probably Minnesota Waterfaller back in those forum days. You probably are well aware of who Phil Schmidt is. But what I will do is I will now give you the floor and yeah. let you do a quick uh, a quick bio and uh, I'm going to try story. to do this as quickly as possible okay. because I don't want <laughs> to lose your listeners. You know, oh, they're engaged. So they are I'm engaged going to, right now. I'm going to try um, to do it as quick as possible to summarize this. Be brief. Anyways. Phil Schmidt, born in 1979, uh, born and raised Waverly, Minnesota. I had a Waverly address. I went to school in Watertown, Minnesota, class of 98. Even though I did not walk with my class because I didn't have enough credits, I did graduate and I didn't only get my GED, I also got my diploma because I finished those credits and whatever. Um, school sucks. <laughs> no, I, I, I hate school because it's a prison. 
you know, like I wasn't a fan either. School robbed me and it robs all children of their childhood. Like we're, we're taught from day one. And when preschool starts to the day we graduate, we are taught to conform. We are taught to be normal. That's another podcast. Anyways, like, oh boy, we're graduate, going down. We are going yeah, down we're, the road now. <laughs> so don't be afraid to be unique people. Um, Anyways, graduated in 98, and then my whole childhood and growing up, I could not stop thinking about hunting and my BB gun and all of the birds. I've always been fascinated by birds, and just I would just, I was fascinated. I had the bird books, and I had to shoot birds with my BB gun, and, you know, I had a great childhood growing up in the country. I had a, a neighbor with a farm and uh, one of the kids had a Daisy Red Rider BB gun that my parents didn't know about it. Well, Scott Milburn, he kept this in a certain corner and he said, yeah, you can come over and use it whenever you want. Well, I did. (laughs) (laughs) So I had a great childhood, great parents. Um, My parents are still, you know, married to to this day. Um, Let's see, birds, birds, birds. Then I grew up and uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do for school. I didn't, I didn't want to go to school. I was done with school. Didn't want to go to college, so I just got a normal factory job and went hunting as often as I possibly could. And throughout my hunting, I had several people who you know, friends and family who said, Phil, you should start a guide service, you know, like, and and it kind of fell on deaf ears. Like I really enjoy hunting for sure, but I, I, I'm not good enough. You know, like I can't make money. I can't charge people to do this and this. Uh, So I, I just didn't. But when people start telling you something enough times, you kind of start to believe it. Um, I didn't have, you know, I still was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just, just, just I didn't, I, I guess I didn't see my, my own value. Whereas other people were like, no, Phil, you have to do this, you know? Uh, and I was never going to do it. I was just going to keep working at the factory. And, uh, then, um, I, I had, a, I had, a, one of my lymph nodes got real big down by my groin. And I knew what that meant. Back in the day, that was cancer. If the lymph node in your neck or the lymph node, any of your lymph nodes get overflown or overgrown, that's cancer. And, you know, because of my little knowledge of anything back, I was very young. You know, I was, let's say I was 20 years old, 21 maybe. Um, I was afraid to go in and I, I went in and they're like, yeah, we have to do a blood test, you know. And I'm like, shit cancer is the death sentence. I can't deal with this right now. If I survive this and if I don't have cancer, I'm going to do all those things. Cause you know, I just in my own mind, like this is cancer and this, this might be the end. And then, then all of the, all of the reality sets in. Like I have to live as hard as if I, if I get through this and it's not cancer, I'm going to buy that motorcycle. I'm going to start the guide service. I'm going to ask those three girls out that I've been fantasizing over, like, 
I'm just, I'm not going to hesitate anymore. I'm just going to live hard, as hard as I possibly can. So then um, it ended up not being cancer or anything serious. So then, you know, true to my word, yeah, I bought the motorcycle. I started the guide service. Um, and the three girls? And, and yeah, I asked all of them out. <laughs> nice. All of them. I didn't care. Like, it didn't matter to me if they even knew each other. Oh, Phil asked me out today. What? He asked me out too. You know, and then they team up against me. I didn't care about any of that stuff. There was no hesitation. I was just like going to do whatever I want, live as hard as I can because tomorrow's never promised. And that was that was my first of several life-changing events that happened in my life that made me realize that you got to live as hard as you possibly can today because you don't know, you know, when it's going to be over with. You just don't know. Right. So I started the guide service. And then not only did I buy the motorcycle and I started the guide service, but then I, uh, I'm trying to find the right order to kind of put things in here because I'm very excited. I've got a lot of caffeine in my veins right now. Um, so I bought the motorcycle, started the guide service, but the hunting thing, the hunting part of my life, was only seasonal and so what what do i do in the summer that's when i ride motorcycle how can i find a way to turn the motorcycle passion into an income and the very short version of that story is find a way or convince people to hire me to do stunt shows Mm. and and I was very hyper-focused, and yes, I was able to find a way to convince people to hire me, to not only take them hunting in the fall, but also to convince other people to hire me to do stunt shows. So, yeah, that one life-changing kind of event, like, my life went from zero to 60 in about 0.25 seconds, just because, like, you know, all of those things that think about while you're at the factory all of those things you think about while you're working at the gas station Mm -hmm. Dill, that is where you belong all of those things that you're thinking about that is where you belong so i encourage every I, i encourage people everyone i talk to i encourage them to follow your heart sure those the moments of uh Reflection when you don't have any outside influence, when you're daydreaming of your uh, Just what could have been or what could be or what whatever, yeah, that in there is your true self talking. Yeah, like the greatest risk is not taking the risk. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I did that too. You know, when I started, that's how this whole thing, this full scale outdoors, started. I had reached a level, and it wasn't a health thing; it was more of a um, professional thing. I was an iron worker for like 19 years and getting up there so, in age and seeing people retire and not have any physicality left to them when they retire. And so you bust your ass your entire life for this pension and this retirement so you can go and live and do the things you want to do. And then you're so broke down that you can't do it. Right. And I'm like, yeah, this isn't going to be me. I'm not doing this. And so I'm going to so, dip out and try it because I don't. So, don't yeah, go ahead. 
yeah so trying to get back into center field we're, we're both going to do that like we're both going to drift off into left field uh but we got to stay centered because i want i want to finish this introduction okay okay um so yeah the guide service and then the stunt team uh then i own and operated what was in my opinion because it was my child and everyone thinks this about their own child as it was the greatest child ever so first <laughs> buster's guide service was it just in my opinion the most sec- successful and the most lucrative guide service in the entire state of minnesota and it's like i was i was the busiest i had the best clients i killed the most birds you know i hunted you know it started with early goose and i was still killing honkers on the very last day of early goose season you know, I was busy the whole time where, like, for example, like Rochester, when I started the guide service, Rochester was the only place you could go and have a quality hunt. And it was basically just honkers. Goosebusters guide service, my monster, my animal was not just honkers, not just Canada geese. It was big geese. It was little geese. It was all the ducks, like all the ducks, divers, puddlers, you know, just, yeah, like. The clients would call and they would ask, where are we hunting? You know, I'm booking this hunt for next week. I'm, I'm booking this hunt for uh, in two months from today. Where, where are we going to be? My answer was always the same. We're going to be wherever the birds are. Mm-hmm. I guided hunts in Wright County, Carver County, and Cloud County. So that was another thing that set me apart from the other guide services is I was not exclusive to two or three or 10 properties that all had pit lines. I was constantly scouting and I was finding the next bloodbath, air quotes. I was constantly looking for the next limit. And I didn't care if it was honkers, I didn't care if it was stops, I didn't care if it was puddle ups, I didn't care if it was divers. I was uh, a large proponent of the warm barrel policy. <laughs> We're going to be hunting wherever the barrels are going to be the warmest, Thank you know, you. whether that's in Wright County or in any of those three counties. So when you book a hunt with me, you know, clear your schedule, you know, it's going to be a half day. I don't, I don't hunt all day. We're not hunting morning and afternoon because I have to take you hunting and we got to kill our limit, take pictures go have breakfast, get to know each other. We live the hunt over breakfast. Then I go home and I take a short nap because I have to scout tomorrow or no, sorry. I have to scout this afternoon for tomorrow morning's clients. Right. You know, so I was busy, you know, during the peak of the guide season, um, you know, I was, I wasn't sleeping all night. I was taking, uh, two, I was taking two naps. I was napping once at night and once again in the afternoon. Um, two, so two naps a day yeah two naps a day yep so i was taking one nap one nap at night and then i was taking another nap in the afternoon <laughs> i was yeah, busy right. you know i was very hyper focused um anyways it was it was my child and i wanted to see it grow and i wanted to see its potential and when i realized how successful and also lucrative it could be it just I got hungrier. I wanted it more. And so, yeah, it was, it, it just consumed me, you know, until the last day of goose season. Then it was like, okay, now what, you know, I liked uh, calling predators. And then springtime came, spring snow goose. 
and then it warmed up, and then motorcycles all day, every day. Mm. So to try to speed this up a, a little bit anyways, after 10 years of guiding, like it became routine, and I know that people will not be able to wrap their minds around how something like that could be routine. Like you're not hunting the same spot every day. You're not even hunting the same birds. You're hunting all the divers, all the puddlers, little geese, big geese. Um, how could that get boring? Well, somehow it, it did. Like I just kind of sort of crossed the finish line with it. It did kind of become routine. And I, I don't know, the drive just kind of wasn't there. And, you know, I, I was dating a girl at the time, and her and I were just big time into motorcycles. And she already kind of wanted to leave and move Minnesota. And I'm like, you know what? I kind of, I've always wanted to travel my entire life and never been able to because of the guide service. You know, you have to be present. And you have, you know, so, yeah, let's, let's travel. Let's, let's go. Like, so I decided to put the, the guide service up for sale and Ashley was her name and we, it still is her name. We researched four spots. We researched Florida, Las Vegas, Alaska, and California. And we talked to friends and family who had lived in all those places. So we did extensive research and we decided to move to Las Vegas. And um, I, you know, people were asking me all the, the, the basic normal questions. They're like, oh, you're moving to Las Vegas. Why are you selling the guide service? What are you going to do in Vegas for, for income? And it's like, um, I don't know. I'm not going there to work. <laughs> Figure that out when uh, you get there. <laughs> I, but I will, you know, and, and <clears throat> I tell this to people too all the time. It's like, it's easy to make money. You don't have to, you don't have to base your world around the cash you know like i'm gonna go to vegas and and yes i'm going to need to make money somehow but that's not my main concern with moving there you know like i have enough money to comfortably live there for a while and not just be concerned or consumed or overwhelmed by how am i gonna pay the bills like i just sold the guide service you know to trevor thanks again trevor um so yeah, we moved to Vegas, and after time, like when when her and I moved down there, we were basically retired. She was she was not concerned about money either. She had built up a nice big fat nest egg. So like when her and I would go out to eat or go out to do fun stuff, like she paid her half and I paid mine. You know, like we were not concerned about money. I didn't pay her way, and she didn't want me to pay her way. Like we paid our own way. You know. Um. And after time, then, you know, I went down there and we were just doing the motorcycle stuff. You know, we were adventuring and motorcycling and a friend down there sent me a link to a Craigslist ad uh, looking for a dirt bike tour guide. And I was like, well, that's perfect. So I talked with Steve and that's what I did for income. You know, part of part of what I did for income was a dirt bike tour guide and trainer. And then I also... Uh, gave birth to Las Vegas Wheelie School because I had so much history and experience with not only doing stunt shows and, and, and doing all the stunt riding, 
I also just had sort of innate, an innate ability to help other people learn how to ride a motorcycle, whether they wanted to just learn how to ride a motorcycle or they wanted to learn how to wheelie or do any kind of stunt. I, I had the patience and understanding to help them. Matter of fact, uh, the girl who I was dating at the time, her name was, her name is Ashley. And the influence that I had on her during the time that we were dating, you know, how I said she was into motorcycles. Well, she was also very interested in just like, how do I do these, these stunts? And I loved just kind of teaching her and help guiding her along the way. And now she has taken the ball and ran with it. Like if you look her up right now, smash stunts, she is all over the internet. Uh, smashed on Instagram like she and that was what I wanted for her you know like that's that's what I want for you Dale in this podcast that's what I want for Nick Johnson you know Nick Johnson like I've, I've influenced him Joe Hines I've influenced him that's what I've wanted for all of my friends and family who are willing to take the time to get to know me and listen you know I, I want everyone to be successful especially friends and family well, that's not a bad. That's not, that's not a bad group of names to be in. <laughs> I mean, Nick's great. Uh, he's got a good following. Joe's following is huge. I am so proud of oh, those God. guys. Like, I love. I love I, watching. And here's the coolest thing about Joe. I think is he's still on an upward trajectory. Like he's nowhere close to plateauing. Like it's fun to watch, man. He's such a good guy. Yeah, I'm. I'm proud of. You know, I'm just, I told Nick J like yesterday or two days ago, I kind of, Nick is like my, my little brother, you know, and so is Joe, you know, and I have spent so much time in the field with Nick and Joe. And one thing that I wanted them to stick with, or one thing that I wanted to stick with them is that. If you want to go out and pursue the hunting thing as a career and as a source of income, you don't need to be like me. You don't have to do it a certain way. It's not structured. I just want you to do it your own way. You know, your, your, your own happiness is what you need to focus on. So like Joe does have clients, but he doesn't operate his guide service the same way I do. Right. He does it the same way that, he does it the way that he wants to do and i support that same way with trevor lukey the same way with nick johnson like we don't operate our guide services the same way they do it their own way and nick and joe and trevor and matt costco with top gun and adam johnson you know and matt matt shower like these are all people who operate successful guide services and they all have their own clients because all of these owners of the guide services, they all, they all have their different standards for quality and their own ideas for quality. And my clients aren't the same as Joe Heinz's clients. Joe Heinz's clients have a ton of fun with him, but they wouldn't have as much fun with me because they don't have the same standards for quality. So in operating your own guide service, you need to do it your own way and the clients that are going to become your regular clients they're going to find you you're going to find each other sure yeah yeah there's a 
yeah, I get that. Makes sense. And in order to own and operate a guide service or any business that you're going to start, you need to do it your own way. And if you really are sincerely enjoying yourself, then those clients, like birds of a feather, flock together, man. You find each other. Mm-hmm. So I lived in Vegas then, owned and operated Goosebusters Guides. Or sorry, I had sold that. Moved to Vegas, Las Vegas Wheelie School. And I'm, I'm fairly well-known in the hunting community, and I'm fairly well-known in the motorcycle community, but I'm probably even better known in the motorcycle community because with Las Vegas Wheelie School and also the dirt bike tour guides and training, um, I had customers flying in from all over the world. So it was just a bigger audience, more sure. traffic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where my hunting, my hunting personality half of my life that was basically uh limited to to minnesota you know a lot of clients and, and people knew me in minnesota um although i did have clients fly in from other countries to hunt with me in minnesota i just didn't have the exposure mm-hmm. you know um because my god if you live in vegas and you're in the entertainment industry of any kind you know in the form of motorcycles dirt bikes doesn't matter Plus, there's just not a better location in the world, you know, because people are coming to Vegas anyways. And, oh, I've been here for two days and the strip boring as fuck after day one, you know, and what else is there to do? It's like, oh, I can go on a dirt bike tour guide or I can learn how to wheelie, you know, like, holy shit, you know, I mm-hmm. get worldwide exposure if you live in Vegas. So fast forwarding to, um, I got into a pretty bad motorcycle wreck. I was sitting at a stoplight doing nothing. Got reared by a drunk, a drunk driver. Oh, Jesus. Really, really uh, pretty bad. I had two brain injuries. I had two brain bleeds and uh, went to the hospital and they monitored the brain bleeds to see if they were going to, if it was still bleeding. Nope, you're safe. After two, three days in, in the hospital, you know, these bleeds were not growing. You know, my brain was not, you know, continuing to bleed. They were clotted up and they're going to dissolve. So you're free to leave. So I did and I was in a hurry to recover. I didn't break any bones or anything like that. It's just the brain trauma. And I didn't want to be a victim. Uh, so I was trying my hardest to get back on a motorcycle and a bicycle and just get back to normal living. I didn't want to be a victim. So. I was premature in my recovery, meaning I threw a leg back over the motorcycle and the dirt bike, maybe before I was ready. Um, And my motorcycle, I needed an oil change. So I changed the oil on my motorcycle and I was still a space case. I didn't tighten the oil filter down tight enough. And I rode the motorcycle around a couple hundred miles in town, just easy miles to monitor, make sure there was no leaks or anything like that. And I thought I was good to go. And I went on a ride, Carbon Canyons, which is the most dangerous form of motorcycle riding that you can do. We were going to go carve the canyon that day with buddies, but I was going to go easy. We were just going to take it easy. 
And um, long story short, the the oil filter, which I had not tightened down tight enough, um, the gasket blew and sprayed oil all over the, the back wheel of my motorcycle as I was taking a super fast 90 mile an hour left-handed sweeper. I lost control of the motorcycle, drifted off into the desert. And uh, that one should have killed me. That was one of a couple instances in my life where I was like, I knew I was going to die. <sighs> and it didn't happen. I came to a screeching halt and I knew that my body was a complete, like I was just, I was just mashed up. And I didn't know how much longer I was going to live. I just knew that I didn't lose consciousness. And I'm just kind of waiting for shock to set in because I knew that, you know, I was bleeding internally. And because of where I was, you know, I was the, no one's going to get there in time to, to stabilize me. Um, it took the ambulance 45 minutes to get from Vegas to me. The ambulance driver got out of the vehicle, take one look at me, and call it in the helicopter. I'm like, don't call in the helicopter. I can't afford it. They're like, you're not going to live. I'm like, okay, fine. Call in the chopper. So the chopper, it took 15 minutes for the chopper to get there. So I was laying in the desert for roughly an hour before help came. And uh, I shouldn't have lived, but I did. And they brought me into the trauma center. And then from there, it was two months of just recovery. I was not able to walk, physical therapy. And that, that I was not able to recover from that mentally. Um, you know, I broke six bones. You know, when, when someone like me, who is an independent person has to spend four months of their life being dependent. It's very depressing. And I just, my lust for two wheels, dirt bike tours and training, Las Vegas wheelie school, that died. And I just, I, I couldn't do it. And I realized that wow, like I was passionate about hunting. That passion, you know, I just kind of crossed the finish line with being able to hunt for an income. And now the only one thing that I had left, which was two wheels, that's, that's dead now too. Like my passion for that's dead. So now I need to belly up and get a normal job. And I considered becoming an airline pilot and I considered being a truck driver because those things I had always wanted to do. Um, and I thought now is the time to do that. If I have to belly up and get a normal job, I want to do one of those two things. And so, so I did all the research. Once again, I talked to friends and family who were truck drivers and airline pilots and decided ultimately that the truck driving thing was a better fit. And if I'm going to belly up and get a normal job, then I'm going to, I think, move back to Minnesota where I have a lifetime of friends and family. Because um, I lived in Vegas for five years. Um, but I didn't want to get a normal job in 
live in Vegas anymore. I wanted to go back to Minnesota where I had a network of friends and family and do that here. So that's what I did. And then, yeah, uh, truck drivers are at, in high demand. So that was very easy to get a truck driving gig. And that's, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing today. I've been a truck driver now for four years. Wow. Well, it's the guy you're around the country is so when you're doing your, then you get into predator calling. And, and the traveling, you know, yeah. in the traveling, remember how I said that I've always wanted to travel, but I've never been able to. Once again, I've found a way to get paid. Right. To yeah, travel. That, was, that was pretty cool for, for someone, you know, we get back to the social media thing. Like I was following along, like you're like, oh, I'm here in wherever the hell, some new place <laughs> that you'd never cowdy hunted before because it was, you know in between your routes or you were stopping at a certain place for a day or whatever the thing was and you went out and you did some coyote hunting <laughs> I thought I was like that's pretty cool I like that I like that he's getting different experience yeah and and this job has a lot of perks on um, I mean it's like every, every job has its perks but this one has perks that just fit fit me you know like I just love to travel and you know uh if I have enough time, I, I like to, you know, like maybe I'll leave early for a job or maybe I'll, you know, if I leave early, then I have a little bit of extra time and, and what can I do and where can I do it along the way, you know, and in my experience and, and just all of the things I've done in my life, I have friends all over the damn country. Yeah, that's cool too. Building that you know, network. so stop and. You know, have dinner in Elko, Nevada, you know, with friends who live there. Just And I, I still do have motorcycle riding friends, and I've got a lot of hunting friends, too. So I, And it's weird because I don't have any friends who like to hunt and ride motorcycle. <laughs> I have my motorcycle friends, and I have my hunting friends. But they don't mix. It's strange because it's like two different personalities. Like, Yeah, it really is. I mean, kind of strange. It really is like very different i'm like i don't know i mean i might know well i know you so there's one i'm trying to think of anybody else i know that is similar well my good buddy jim but he's not now he just farms so he doesn't do that either um but he was he was he kind of had that shame same passion you know he like i said he liked those motorsports and we hunted and fished it's rare growing up but well as part of it you think there's there's only so much time in the day for anything you know, so you people oh, make, for sure. people for make sure. choices like, well, do I want to duck hunt or I want to go trail riding or whatever the thing might be. At some point, you got to make a decision on which one you want to do. And because I have followed my heart my entire life, I haven't had to decide, well, you know, I worked for eight hours today at the factory and now I only have an hour before I get tired. So I've got an hour of energy today. What am I going to do? You know, mm-hmm. I've just kind of, I've been able to just kind of do whatever I want all day, every day. And that's how you get good at something. And you can understand what I'm talking about. Like with the, the, the fishing thing, mm-hmm. you know, good things come to those who want it more. So if you invest more of your time into the fishing thing, like you're probably better now at fishing than you ever thought you could be when you kind of started to get into it. Like, holy shit, yeah. And when you become more successful at something, you enjoy doing it more. And then guess what? 
yeah, you then, do it more. Yeah, then you you just keep you just keep sharpening that blade. Uh, definitely, I've experienced some of that. Um, it's interesting, like again, stepping outside myself and looking, you know, from a different perspective. I don't. I, th I think a lot of times I haven't really ever given myself a, a lot of credit for any of the things that I've levels of mastery I've achieved or we, whatever the thing might be. We are our own worst critic. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, this this lake up here, Pelican Lake, I've always said it's like one of the best bass lakes in the state, which I still firmly believe that. And I've always had this thing like I just think it's, the fishing up here is just so easy. Like it's just it's so good. The quality's there. It's just so easy. And what I've realized, because I've had, uh, I've had enough people come up here and, and fish it, and they're like, "Yeah, it's really good," but you know, we struggled, or we did this, or we did that, and then like, they're not having a shared experience, like uh, that. That I'm, it's not as easy for them. Apparently, yeah, you're bitching, you're bitching about your own experience, and they're like, "Dude, you fucking destroyed what we did." <laughs> right. And so you I'm, have I'm, to listen to those people, Dale. I am. I am because they're what trying I've, to tell you something. Yeah. What I've realized is that this like. It, while being a great lake, it's it's not as easy as I think it is. It's easy to me because I have fished it for 40-plus years. And specifically, I've fished bass on it for 40-plus years. Like, I don't really dip my toes into the walleye fishing much or any really anything else. Like, I'm hyper-focused on the bass on this lake. So I've taken a lake, I've taken a specific species, and I have become hyper-focused over decades and I think it's easy because I've, you know, I can ride my bike with no hands, basically, when it comes to, for the analogy for fishing. Like, I run out there. Somebody's like, oh, yeah, we fished after eight hours. We only caught X amount of fish in here. I'm like, well, what were you doing? Why didn't you go here? Why didn't you do this? You're like, well, I didn't know. You know, and it's like, oh, exactly. well, that's where I would have started. You know, it's like, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, just throwing away decades of knowledge nonchalantly, like, Okay, so, yeah, and even across all venues of life, I've I've finally at 50 coming to a place of, oddly enough, almost, I don't know if humility is the right thing because it's kind of the opposite, but actually starting to give myself, like, but it is from humility. It's so like humbly giving myself some credit for some of my achievements. It's difficult. I can relate, yes. So without letting the ego run completely wild um you know making sure i keep that in check it's like okay but you have done this thing and it's okay to be proud of that or to acknowledge that you're good at this thing yes and, and i didn't realize i didn't realize how awesome Goosebusters was really until after i had sold it and moved to nevada and all these people are like well, what the fuck are you doing down there you belong up here i'm like holy shit you know and i've been listening to that yeah, you know, ever since I quit, you know, I had oh, I should I'm not wow, too late. Just yesterday, I was formulating in my brain. I had this like I don't know, what you call it a mantra or just a saying or an analogy, and it had to do with ego and humility. And now I'm gonna paraphrase myself because I can't. Thank God, it sounded so good when I first when it first popped into my head. It was oh, all those things when, I, I was listening to a, I was listening to a podcast. And it was a really good podcast, and it really got my brain going. Which a lot of times I have to go back and listen to those podcasts because I take I take a turn out of their conversation. It gets my brain going in a certain direction. 
and then it goes and then when i kind of come back i'm like oh what are they talking about now i just missed like 15 minutes or whatever the hell and this is a good conversation i need to go back and listen to that but it was i love that when they just push your brain in a direction you know and just stimulates it and it goes and that's what happened yesterday and then i need to i need to spend some time and get i think i can get back to it but i'm not gonna waste people's time and try to go through my thought process now to get there but i thought it was quite profound you know in um some some weird dance between confidence and ego and it's right. Oh, it's right there. Okay, I need to let it go, or I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I gotta uh, let it go. I'll I gotta let it go. I will help you. I will help you. Back to back to fishing. <laughs> yes, I'll let it go. Yeah. So anyway, but the point being is just like um, you receive you you, you re- get that level of uh, mastery, and when you put in the passion, like you've talked about, people are drawn to that, you know, and that's kind of the basis of whatever somebody's thing is that they're really passionate about. And I'm I'm like you. Well, in a lot of ways, we found out so. For the, for the audience, I've only ever talked to Phil on the phone. We have yet to meet in person. We have yet to uh, share a blind together or do anything like that. And we've tried, man. It was not for lack of trying. We no, have tried. Yeah, it'll happen. It's Mother going to Nature happen. really fucked us hardcore this spring for the oh, spring snow. Yeah, season. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah that, we we pre-planned the shit out of that one. So fucking hard. <laughs> I was gonna cook for everybody. It was gonna be great. <sighs> yeah. Mother Nature wasn't having it this year. It was this was a bonkers year for snow goose hunting. I mean, I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't even. It's first year I haven't snow. I didn't snow goose hunt once. First year. In, so you were saying about how we were, we've never met. Yeah, but we just. Um, I think you must have called me, or maybe I don't even know how that happened. Was that like through Nick? Maybe. This is this is good. I I don't know. How did we start talking? I don't fucking know. I know that it would not be unlike me at all to reach out to you and be like, I, because I listened to full scale enough times. My number sometime, somehow. Yeah, probably through Facebook Messenger. Maybe I'll. You know, somehow, somehow we. I'm not sure who threw the first pitch, but I had listened to your definitely your podcast. But like, I think him and I could talk. You know, because. Being an over-the-road truck driver, that is my simulation. We all need simulation, right? Mm-hmm. And my simulation when I'm driving truck is I am talking to friends and family over the phone, like we are talking right now, or I'm listening to podcasts, or I'm listening to music. Those are the things that I do. Like I just those keep me going, you know. And so, listening to your podcasts, and you had a podcast with joe and nick and those are mutual friends of ours i'm like i don't know this deal like i feel like that's someone i could talk to like we could talk to each other you know and and i reached out to you or you reached out to me i can't exactly how explain how it happened but it happened and i'm glad (laughs) yeah same we've had some really deep conversations actually that like not even relating to hunting and or fishing but yeah um, like ufos holy shit (laughs) politics religion you know, yeah. controversy, you know, just social let's stuff. fucking talk about this shit. Yeah, know? I love it. And so as the like get the bring the listeners up to speed and I know like my loyal listeners have probably uh, well for sure they've noticed that it, it I haven't been posting content on a regular basis except for Waterfall Wednesday. I have kept up on that. And which good thing is is Nick J has kinda uh, helped me stay accountable for that 
which is great. I really appreciate that because there's a, a realist, really realistic possibility that without Waterfall Wednesday and without Nick, that the whole full-scale thing may have just faded off into obscurity. Because um, once I made the life change and moved up here to northern Minnesota, um, you know, when it comes down to, okay, what am I going to do when I get home from work? Am I going to organize a podcast, sit down for a two-, three-hour podcast, or do I want to put the boat in the lake and go fish on my favorite lake on the planet? Yeah, that's kind of an easy decision for me. So yep. I've been making that Follow decision. Follow your heart, man. I'm totally behind that. <clears throat> and, and and there's, for as much as I know this area, there's a lot of exploring to be done. That there's places, even on this lake, as much as I thought I knew this lake a year ago, holy shit, what I know about this lake now. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, I'm still, and I'm still discovering little nooks and crannies of this lake. And it's kind of that, like we talked about, honing that spear. So... It's so much fun. I'm really learning, like, legitimately and literally, Phil, the nooks and crannies of this lake. So it's fun. So anyways, back to what's happening with the podcast. And so, you know, I talked to my good friend uh, Patrick Olson from the Lone Angler podcast and Doug Glimmervine, and it's crazy how our podcasts have kind of been on similar highs and lows and followed a, a similar trajectory, even to, like, when we, before we even knew each other, when we started our podcast journeys was, like, really close to the same time. So there was just a, a, a weird kind of uh, uh, symbiotic is not the right word, but it was just, we're just, like, on the same track. And um, so I just... I've been, I was talking to Patrick and I'm like, just feel like the podcast is like in this sensitive stage of potential growth or it's like, it's going to die in the vine. Like I'm in a chrysalis was the, the analogy that I used. And it's like, it's becoming something different. I don't know what that thing quite is, but going back to like, follow your, your desires or your passions, something that I've really wanted is, you know, and the reason we've clicked is like, these deeper conversations and i don't feel like there's a lot of that in the outdoor space and at the risk of potentially losing some people because maybe some people don't want to have those you know like i tuned into this because i thought you were going to talk about bass fishing i don't give a shit about if there's life on other planets or not you know sure and i gotta be willing to just lose that listener and i've often you know, I found myself like, I really wish there was a real, like a thinking man's, for lack of a better term, like a thinking man's outdoor podcast where we can really get into the finer minutiae and, you know, of what makes us tick as outdoorsmen, just as people, of people in society, like all aspects of it, all different perspectives of it, and just take these deep dives. And I just, I don't feel like it's out there, really. You know, and I think Meat Eater does it a little bit. But they're, but not really. Like they kind of touch on it, and then they're and then it's gone. They don't really do deep dives. So it's like my mind, my creature that I think I want to try to work towards is something that is like if the meat eater and Joe Rogan had a baby, like something, like somewhere in there. And you and I, I like are it. similar enough in how we aren't afraid to go down these rabbit holes, but in somewhat of a structured way. Um, like there's a purpose behind it. It's not just like uh, the brain is just lazy and spinning off in a bunch of different directions. And as we've talked, we have kind of developed this mutual plan and you fit into that plan. So you're going to start hearing a lot more of Phil 
on the Full Scale Outdoors pad- podcast. Uh, we have, and and even with us, I think it's still in. We're not fully out of that chrysalis, so we're going to be trying some stuff. We're going to be having some, um, a lot of conversations. I, I want I want everyone listening to know that my purpose here is just basically to inspire you to get as much out of life as you possibly can. I want you to follow your heart, whether that you know that's going to be in the form of being better at duck and goose hunting, better at being, you know, better pigeon hunter, uh, better coyote caller, better motorcycle rider, better at teaching kids how to shoot a gun, better at being, you know, like exposing children to the outdoors. How can you do these things better? I've, these are things that I have a lot of experience with. And that's just basically my purpose in life is to inspire people to have as much fun as they possibly can, you know, and just, just, just be happier, you know, and be more successful at whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. And we, and we share that, we share that, um, draw as well, because that's kind of been my thing. And and lately as I've been, you know, my self reflections and stuff, it's like, I really, and I've always liked to help other people and I've always wanted this to be a platform for other people. I, I love getting, you know, brand new guides on and getting their story. You know, people that don't have a huge, you know, if I stumble across their page and they don't have a huge social media following and, and not like I'm some sort of lightning rod to that, but I can be what I can be with what I have. And yes. I always open that up and it is a platform. So if you're listening to this and you're on the fence or you're, you're a baby guide or whatever your thing is, maybe you're a decoy carver. It doesn't have to be guiding. It can be anything. You know, if it's loosely 100%. in the outdoor space. I don't care if space. it's quilting. Actually, actually it doesn't even have to be in the outdoor space. The outdoor space can be the common thread. So, yeah, maybe you're an That's... auto mechanic or whatever, and you just started your own garage, but you also love goose hunting. Well, listen, you're welcome on the show, and we'll yeah. talk goose hunting maybe for five minutes and then tear off about how you just love wrenching on cars. And But we always have that common thread to go back on, and I do have that. And they, so these different walks of my life, whether it be – you know, bass fishing or singing or whatever the thing might be, I have reached a certain level of mastery of that where it's like that game recognizes game. And if somebody is good at a certain thing and they're on a trajectory and they want to make it part of their life, I am here for it. And however I can help, I want to help. So mix that in with what kind of what you want to do. And you can kind of see where this podcast is going to start to go. And I do want it to be a positive you know, get, I want to trigger people's minds. I want people to be, listen to this podcast and have happen to them what happened to me yesterday, where I peak your mind, your interest, and I get those wheels going in your mind. And you forget that you were listening to the podcast for 50 minutes because you're like, oh man, what would happen if I got this, went down this road and explored this passion or whatever, this really got my mind going, you know, something that would be more rewarding than money, fame or anything would be like like you said when you see you know like the joe heinz of the world and they're taken off and you had an influence of that like i don't is there a better pride is there a better proud moment i I love it like i I, I love it too and i see people like i love seeing people in general succeed and i really like watching my friends and family succeed especially if i played a small role in it you see joe heinz you see nick johnson you see Ashley Lamella with Smash Nuts, or she is Smash Nuts. Like, these are people who you see. Elon Musk, same thing. Like, Bill Gates, all these people are firing on all 12 cylinders 
where most of us are just, we have the 12 cylinders, but we spend our lives firing on eight or 10. Mm-hmm. And I want to see these people following their hearts and, and just, I want to see my friends and family where they belong. You know, like it feels good to be where you belong, you know, to know where you belong, to, to say to yourself, there's nowhere else in the world I would rather be right now than sitting in this cornfield with Dale Luganbill with the pigeon decoys in front of us. Fuck, I was there the, just the other day in Wisconsin with Nick. It's like there's nowhere else in the world I would have rather been. Oh, we talked about that, That dude. is such a rare and valuable feeling. That's when we tried to call you Waterfall Wednesday this week because the, the subject came up about to use decoys or not because – Nick oh, doesn't use decoys. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. This would it would have been so great, but it went to voicemail. I was like, damn it. I don't think I did the party call right anyway, so that's gonna take some timing. Um so I'm not gonna get back on track as far as like where the podcast is heading and then we can kinda wrap this one up. But it's it's still in development. We're still in the chrysalis. We haven't the butterfly has not broken out and become its thing quite yet. Um but I, I, I feel really good about the direction it is going in. And we do want to inspire people. We want, you know, that's going to be kind of the, the, the broader um, mission statement. In fact, I was looking at, like, when I uploaded the, the Waterfall Wednesday this week, I look at, I go into my, that platform, I look, I got, like, my header, like, what full scale is. And I'm reading the description of it. And I just, I read it and I'm like, yeah, that's not really what it is anymore. And so okay. I need to think and I need to reword that and find and come up with a new mission statement um, as it takes on this new thing. And we'll still have guests on like and you're not much of a fisherman, but, we, I'll, you know, so I'll still have, have to have guests on. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I'm still going to have guests on. And then and, you, and we might all three be on it at the same time. And what I want to say is like for the people out there, like, well, I only really listen when you have a waterfall guest on. And that's fair. I'm not saying you need to listen to every single episode. What I am saying is. If I have, if you're not into bass fishing, but I have a bass fisherman on as my guest, um, be a little curious and be willing to give that episode a, a listen because the kind of the new format that I'm working at and steering this is the outdoor space and those interests are going to be the common thread. That's not going to be the bulk of the conversation. We're going to get into the humanity of what draws us to this passion into the outdoor space that's kind of where it's at with that overhanging umbrella of inspiring you as the listener as the person to pursue whatever that passion is and that is that is the tagline whatever it is i don't care if it's quilting or roller skating sorry that was the tagline of this podcast (laughs) and i used to use it all the time and i got away from using it i need to bring it back and it was whatever your passion pursue it full scale yeah baby that was the that i mean and so early on that was always part of you know the dna strand of this whatever this thing is of this brand and it just says you know life i think just kind of made it take a back seat but it's time to get back to the that is the core fiber of this of this whole thing i mean it was part of what the even the that brand the name full scale like it was a a triple entendre if you will because it was like doing things to the max effort it had to do with you know like fishing and even hunting because like uh my whole thing was an eventual clothing line kind of logo thing where it's like you 
if you like goose hunting, it's like it's going to be that thing. Like I took close-up pictures of different like goose feet because if you look at a goose's foot, it looks scaly, right? Like a lizard kind of. So it still Looks fits dry. into that scale thing. So behind the full scale, if you look at my logo right now for this podcast and that little the hexagon or whatever the fuck oh, yeah, yeah. is, it's got the F and the S, and behind it is the scale pattern of a bass, a largemouth bass. So at some point in time, I want to do stuff where it's going to be a smallmouth bass behind there or a walleye or a pike or a perch or everything it is, or a honker foot or a snow goose foot or, 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 or all the way down the line and just have so people can like, this is the thing that I'm passionate about. And that's kind of the symbolism I was trying to grab with that logo and with the name full scale. So it's kind of all wrapped up. It means different things at the, at the same time. And so I want to have these for, to not sound corny, but I want to have these full scale conversations and really do deep dives and learn the nooks and crannies of who I am, who you are, who my listeners are, what this outdoor space is, and its broader implication on society as a whole. And then you just keep expounding on that. And and yeah, if along the way, that inspires somebody. And I look at you know, you know, it'd be super cool. If somewhere down in the future, someone's like, hey, you know, I've never written to a podcast thing or whatever, but I just wanted to say I was listening to this episode three years ago, and it really inspired me to go off and i just want to let you know that i have opened up uh whatever whatever that thing is you know yeah it doesn't, guys, doesn't matter doesn't matter what the thing is but you know for to keep it on topic like yeah and i started my own guide business my son and, and my fall is booked fuck yeah dude fuck Absolutely. yeah that that i would love nothing more than that that is our reward deal 100 percent. just hearing back from people like dude keep doing what you're doing okay good because i love doing what i'm doing and i, I want to keep doing it and you giving me a little little uplifting like like there is at least one person out there who is listening and appreciates it thank you yeah oh, yeah for sure and <laughs> i've often and just in general you know i love hearing back from um the listeners and honestly i don't get a ton of that feedback but when i do get that feedback it just makes it even more impactful you know it's like somebody took time out to send me a message you know, like that's huge to me. Like that's, that's awesome. And I'm glad, you know, never really been about the numbers. I don't get mired in the like, oh, how many downloads do I have? And I've never really, never really cared about that that much. I'm not going to lie and say I don't look at it, but I, that's not my driving force, you know? Good. And kind of like you say, you follow something and you're passionate about it, you know, those things will happen. And if they happen, great and, and it, if it ever achieves some level where it actually starts making real money you know and i've had these candid conversations with my listeners in the past it's like this podcast brings in a little money but it basically it's break even it, it you know to, for for yeah but you're not doing it for the money deal i'm not i know and that's the thing it's like, so full, awesome is we're just doing it for fun right exactly you know? and i'm building and that's, that that's thing how up. it's it's just not structured it's just completely organic yeah, you know, like when I started that. Goosebusters Guide <laughs> Service, the only place you could go was Rochester. And when, you know, people were like, oh, you're going to start a guide service, they would laugh at me because I don't have any pit blinds in Waverly, Minnesota. And I'm not going to have any pit blinds in Waverly, Minnesota. It's like, no, I'm not going to do pit blinds. Well, how are you going to do it then? I'm going to do it my own way. And look what happened. Yeah. Just because I, I, I wasn't going to go work for someone else doing the guide services 
anyways, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, and I want, and I, I dude, and I want to, exp- I want to go down that path because now I want to. My brain just then like got off what I was talking about, and it's like, okay, let's go down. I want to explore like, let's do a deep snow goose dive. You know, let's like out like, because like with like um, Jim Lee, you know, he was like the snow goose rock star back in the Minnesota waterfall days. Like he was, Ooh. yeah, exactly. No. Oh, Steve Lee, not Jim Lee. Sorry, thank Steve, you. Jim, sorry, Jim Lee is a a my favorite uh, comic artist of all time. Sorry, I don't know where that pulled that. Steve Lee, Mister Lee. I, I forgive you. Yes. yes, Steve Lee. Both names held in very high regard. Do not take that as an insult. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who Jim is, but I only the I best X Men artist of all time. That's all. Okay, so anyways, back to Steve yeah, Lee. Yeah, back to Steve awesome. Lee. And then, and then the point that you were going to make. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I want to go down that route. I want to do like like that, but that's a whole separate episode right there. And, and I'm you not, have and, tons of episodes. And I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and I'm not going to do it. I'm not going there, but I want to so bad. I was trying to wrap this one up because uh, we've already been going for, man, well over an hour and a half. So, yeah, that's that's awesome. But that's this is what happens with our conversations, Phil. Like this, like... And We've if you want to, if you want shit. to hang this one up, and um, and then you type in your little keyboard episode number two, and we just roll into another one. Like, I I have enough energy and brain power right now to completely do another episode. Oh, all right. Well, that's I think that's a great idea. It's a good hopping off point. My coffee cup is empty, so I'm gonna, we'll we'll do that. We'll so welcome everybody to. Uh, the start of a new full-scale outdoors adventure. Uh, welcome Phil Schmidt to the show. You're going to be getting a lot of him, and uh, I think you're really going to like where this is going. It's, I'm excited. Like, And, and if you is, don't, I encourage you to listen to stuff you do want to listen to. Yeah, do whatever sure. you want. That's yeah, the for point, sure. man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's, uh, it's just I haven't had this level of excitement about the podcast in a while, which is, you know, a reason I haven't been putting a lot of content out there. So I do want to give a thank you to the, the people that have been reaching out and they do stay engaged. You know, people will let me know when I don't do an episode and that's good too. Cause it's like, okay, there is still a desire. People still do want to listen to this, you know, cause we all have our own personal doubts and, and whatever. So what's great about this new rekindled passion is that now when I do, when it, I do come down to, do I want a podcast night or do I want to go fishing? It's like, yeah, I'm in the mood for a conversation. So we're going to start doing this and we have a plan to put episodes in a can so we can consistently bring you guys content. So just know that that is part of our overall, like we're, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And, and Phil, we had that conversation, right? Because I was like, you'd kind of pitch this idea of being part of the show. And I'm like, well, yeah. And then I thought on, I'm like, yeah. I said, but if we do this, let's do this. I'm in. And yeah. And I'm so, in until I'm not. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I, I, I'm at this point, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just excited about it. I'm motivated. You know, I. I just I don't see it coming to an end, but when the time comes, it's going to end. Everything, you ends. know. I, yeah, everything ends at exactly. some point in time. Yeah. I'm just I'm not not fucking worried about it. I have a lot of experience and stories and just things I want to share. You know, and these things I think about these things all the time. And I wish I had a bigger vehicle to get this out. And guess what? I fucking do now. There you go.
you go. Perfect. All right, let's end it right there. I'm going to go fill this coffee cup, and let's uh, do another one. Don't go anywhere. Okay. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'm old there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.